Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar, a delicious, high-protein, yet amazingly low-in-sugar snack. Remember, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked on to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. Brian Peacock here alongside the scout Matt Williamson. We're talking Cincinnati Bengals today. One of the up-and-comers in the NFL after they have secured who they hope is the franchise quarterback in Cincinnati and number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. Our guest today is Jake Lisko, co-host of Locked On Bengals. You can find him on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and of course you can find that podcast just like you can find Locked On NFL and every show here on the network on all of your favorite podcast apps huge draft for the Cincinnati Bengals appreciate you joining the show here I think there's a lot to get into with this team right now big draft a lot of linebackers but most importantly a quarterback (laughs) right and I think the funniest thing is we went through every team in the NFL and I think we at least mentioned the name of every draft pick of every team I'm pretty sure the Bengals are the only team where you look at their list and they had pick one through seven, round one through seven, no comp picks, no trades. They just picked first in every round. They were the only team that didn't mess around and didn't have some kind of crazy, uh, either too few picks, too many picks, traded picks. They just said, you know what? We have the first pick in every round. That's where we're going to draft. It's so weird, right? I I wonder how often that happens. I I feel like almost never. They obviously talked about trading back i think a a few times particularly it was reported they were talking about trading back out of pick 33 where they ended up selecting t higgins but they stayed pat and duke tobin talked about this to some degree he said you know picking at the top of each round especially at the beginning of day two and day three they felt like they had a big advantage there in terms of having time to reset their board having time to field the offers, feeling really comfortable about their direction. You hear the Bengals use the word comfortable a lot, actually, if you listen to Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin this offseason. So they they were, to, to use their terminology, very comfortable to stay put and just pick the guys they had on the top of their board. I'm not sure they did that in every round, actually. I, th- I think that there might have been a couple picks where they, they kind of stretch for positional need a little bit, but I think they did a, a generally good job. Jake, I didn't plan on talking linebackers to, you know, to talk, it was my first question for you, but you brought it up and it kind of hit a sweet spot with me because my 11 year old daughter that doesn't know if a football's stuffed or blown up could have picked Burrow at one, but I really like going back to back linebackers after the top two picks or go and, you know, go and get three linebackers really after the top two were in the books, different styles of linebackers. I just think that's been such a weak area for that team. I mean, just people peppering them with targets in the middle of the field. Uh, They got Pratt last year. And then a side note on that, not a lot went well for the Bengals last year, but they were great on special teams. And I bet that factors in as well that, this coaching staff stresses special teams, and after those first two picks, I thought they attacked the need, and I commend them for it. Yeah, I think that there's something to be said, as you as you say, for attacking a need and making a concerted effort to go do it. Again, the Bengals would tell you they didn't plan to come out of the draft with three linebackers, but clearly it was a priority. Duke Tobin and Mike Potts, the director of college scouting for the Bengals, after the draft talked about 
their strategy for the offseason, they didn't particularly like the free agent linebackers. They were in on several of them, but the money was just too rich. And they really liked the depth in the linebacker class. And that's reflected in the fact that they picked three linebackers. And Marcus Bailey, just to start with the seventh round pick that usually you don't care about, is, is a real lottery ticket, right? Most people would say he has day two tape, but has a litany of injury concerns in his background. He says that he's healthy and ready to go. So I love the lottery picket. It reminds a lottery ticket. It reminds me of Rodney Anderson last year, a supremely talented yeah. running back. They pick in the sixth round who again has injury concerns. Unfortunately has another torn ACL. He's working his way back from now, but I love that approach to drafting where in the late rounds, you take a guy with great tape and has some injury concerns. Cause if he hits, if he stays healthy for four years, well, now you've got a productive player out of the seventh round. But Akeem Davis-Gaither and Logan Wilson are certainly the highlights, right? The very athletic but undersized Davis-Gaither from Appalachian State. Good pass rusher. I think he is going to get some interesting assignments in the Ravens game. I mean, you look at the Bengals' opponents, and the team they have to beat in the AFC North, presumably for the next five to seven years, is Lamar Jackson's Ravens. What do you need to stop Lamar Jackson's Ravens is really good tackling, willing run defense and speed. And what the Bengals were really missing on defense last year was generally team speed. They got challenged horizontally frequently. Their linebackers, as you mentioned, were picked on. And so the Bengals did what the Bengals do, and they picked another third round linebacker. And then this year, in addition to that, they go fourth round too. You look at the Bengals draft history, so many third round linebackers that haven't hit Malik Jefferson, Jermaine Pratt, uh logan wilson this year and the history goes a lot further than that paul dawson was one of them i loved paul dawson coming out oh yeah we did too yeah there was Was a lot of a lot of thumpers in those groups and it seemed like they're trying to fix that position for a long time but uh, i like the way they went after it in this class Uh, with the speed too akeem davis gaither a lot of people probably don't know him he's not a headline name but i think he's a modern day linebacker so a great fit there He's a guy that we've been talking about on the Lockdown Bengals podcast or we're talking about before the draft for quite some time. And so was Logan Wilson, actually. He was a guy that I mocked to the Bengals in the third round in my final mock. So I'll pat myself on the back for that one. Uh, it's just a guy that makes a lot of sense. He is coming into the league a little bit older, but incredible ball production and coverage. And that's something that the Bengals sorely need. You've got Jermaine Pratt, who has vice grip hands. If you ever put him on and watch him play football, once he gets his hands on a jersey, His grip strength is so strong. It's incredibly impressive. I expect him to be a good tackler. He took a step at the end of last year. He was a former safety, so makes sense to me that he would take a little bit of time to grow into his role. I expect him to improve this year. I'm actually pretty confident in Jermaine Pratt's ability to be at least a starting linebacker in the league. And then they also signed Josh Bynes from Baltimore, who was a street free agent last year, but really went a long way in solidifying a defense that was struggling at the beginning of last year that... I don't know how many people remember that. The Ravens' defense and linebackers in particular at the beginning of the year last year was not very good and was a weakness of the team until Bynes came along. Marcus Bailey, you mentioned that pick, and I think with Adeniji, the offensive tackle from Kansas, probably played some guard in the NFL in round six. Um, Did the Brain Trust in Cincinnati talk about a lot of players in this draft that didn't get a chance to work out and there was no injury rechecks for a lot of players. And I think that's why you saw players like Adeniji and Marcus Bailey really fall. I mean, Bailey's a bad one. I think he had, he tore each ACL right mm-hmm. in college. Yeah. So uh, you knew he was going to fall, but a lot of players fell that like you mentioned are lottery tickets. Some teams might find some really 
fantastic value on day three from players who were injured that teams were a little bit scared off of. But on the other side, they might also have drafted players that will never be able to play down in the NFL because the injuries were actually too severe and they never had a chance to really recheck those. Yeah, and there are two examples in the Bengals draft class of guys. Well, actually three. Khaled Kareem was injured for a lot of the year too, I think. But T. Higgins, of course, was battling a hamstring injury during his pre-draft process. They took the gamble there anyway on his tape, almost strictly alone. And that's something that you heard the the Bengals brass talking about is they really went back to tape, I think, in a big way. If you read between the lines, they, like a lot of NFL teams, dealt with this weird pre-draft process by maybe not weighing those testing numbers as much as as they would in previous years but uh marcus bailey yeah that that's a pretty interesting one i really like the lottery ticket there hakeem adenergy is a the guy they had at the senior bowl and a theme for the mid and late rounds adenergy davis gaither logan wilson all senior bowl participants ah. and they really leaned into their uh-huh. uh experience at the senior bowl and their comfort with those guys from having coached against them or coached those players directly. Let's let's stick on the defensive side of the ball because, you know, uncharacteristically, your Bengals go out and spend some bucks on defense. And I thought their D, yeah, I thought their D line was pretty good before reader. And that's a step up. I have mixed feelings about the corners they signed, but they're quality NFL players. I mean, what's your overall feelings on the D now as we, you know, are, are out of the off season? So let's start on the defensive line, which on paper continues to look like the strength of the team. Carlos Dunlap, DJ Reader, Geno Eck, and Sam Hubbard across across the line as starters. Sounds like a pretty good group. Sam Hubbard, in my opinion, actually might be one of the more overrated Bengals because, you know, he went to Ohio State. So Bengals fans that are Ohio State fans are already (laughs) revering this guy. His sack numbers are a little bit higher than his overall pass rushing productivity would lead you to believe so he he might be a little bit overrated by Bengals fans with that being said he's a very solid player love his motor love the value that they got with him in the third round in 2018 there are questions here though and the questions start with Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins who prior to DJ Reader coming along were the anchors of this defense on the whole and they're just both on the wrong side of 30 Carlos Dunlap Paul Denner Jr. came on the Lockdown Bengals podcast last week, the beat writer for the Bengals for the Athletic, and he said when Carlos Dunlap is motivated, he's as good as anybody in the NFL. And it was a real tale of two seasons for Dunlap last year, and really a lot of this defense. The first half of the year, easily, maybe not easily, but amongst the bottom three defenses in the NFL, not very good. They, they got gashed horizontally. They were losing to speed like I was talking about earlier. Second half of the season, things start to gel a little bit and and maybe Lou Anarumo's system, which is actually a pretty big departure from the Mike Zimmer style systems that we'd had in Cincinnati for the last, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, pretty big schematic change and and might might have started to take a little bit in the second half last year. But a lot of that was Carlos Dunlap playing like one of the best edge players in the NFL for the last eight games of the season. Geno Atkins, again, on the wrong side of 30. Just named to the all-decade team, future Hall of Famer, which is great for Bengals fans. We haven't had one since, uh, well, our one, Anthony Munoz. And so looking forward to that hopefully happening. But again, on the wrong side of 30, production slipping a little bit. Those are two questions for me. DJ Reader coming in should make Gino's job a little bit easier. And then you talk about the depth on the team. Carl Lawson, if he can stay healthy, has a ton of potential as a pass rusher. Khaled Kareem, fifth-round pick. 
Should be a good run stopper in the NFL. Vernell Wren was an athletic freak. Last year, they picked in the fourth round. A bit of a project, especially for his age. Advanced in age coming into the NFL, but not in refinement. So we'll see if he can come along. But my favorite player on this defensive line is Josh Tupo. And you know why I like Josh Tupo so much? is because Josh Tupo, uh, uh, essentially a nose tackle type. He played some five-tech last year, too. Some three-techs. So he played all over the place. But he made a tackle on Lamar Jackson in the open field. Can you believe that? <laughs> and he's listed at 362 pounds or something like that, right? And made a tackle on Lamar Jackson in the open field. It's on my Twitter. I might pin it. It was like my favorite play from the entire 2019 season. It's amazing. <laughs> go awesome. to at Jake underscore NFL to see that pinned tweet. And uh, I'm going to go check that out. I, I want to see that one. I, I don't remember seeing that play at all. But uh, And I'm glad we had a chance to talk about the defensive side of the ball for the Bengals because obviously the headliner... With the Bengals draft, number one overall pick in Joe Burrow and some veteran skill players, I want to get into that next. And maybe you can help us understand what the path is and, and what the long view is on offense for the Cincinnati Bengals next. This episode is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bars are tasty and Built Bars are healthy. If you're looking for that energy, you need a snack. This is ideal, the ideal snack for me because it tastes good, but it's not heavy. It's not going to get stuck in your teeth. You can power one down and go do whatever you need to do. If it's work, if it's a workout, high in protein, low in sugar. That I, I can't stress this enough. Low in sugar. It's not dessert. It's actually good for you. But it tastes so good, it's like, how is there only 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar in this thing? This morning, trying to get some podcasts going, didn't have breakfast, so I went with the Mint Brownie Delight, which was fantastic. Only 110 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. So low calorie, low sugar, low carb, but high in protein, high in fiber, exactly what you need in a snack. And the best part is if you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order, use promo code Locked on. That's one word locked on for $10 off and build your own box at builtbar.com. Jake, I'm sure you're sick of talking about Joe Burrow by now, right? The number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, first of all, just real quick, did they actually get some massive trade offer from the Dolphins? And was it a situation where they were like, nope, we're not trading for anything? Or did they actually field some phone calls and listen to some offers before they turned in that card number one overall? I think they definitely got offers. I'm, I'm certain that they got offers, but uh, after the draft, they did a debrief, like I said, with Duke Tobin and Mike Potts, a Bengals director of college scouting. And Mike Potts told Bengals.com, the, the team employed writer, Jeff Hobson, there's no way. He could have told you months ago, there's no way they were trading that number one pick. And there's actually a pretty cool story uh, Paul Daner did. I talked about him earlier, too, on The Athletic, talking about how the Bengals offseason came to be, talked about how they had this plan for defensive players that they wanted to sign. They said they got three out of four of their targets. So I'm assuming that's uh, Reader, Waynes, and Alexander. And, and Von Bell was a bit of a bonus. But in that piece, they talked about how they they had a scout out west, was going to go see Justin Herbert, was watching uh, the LSU uh, the LSU Texas game on his phone in his car in the parking lot. He's watching that game and he sees, you know, the, the game clinching throw at the end of the game. And most people know what I'm talking about if you pay attention to the draft. And he's like, uh, and then I booked the next week to go watch Joe Burrow in person. <laughs> and and for him, 
as it was for me, it was the Alabama game that that put Burrow over to it for me. I was resisting it all year. I was thinking, no, it's Tua. I'm I'm gonna go with the the multiple years of production, and and then Burrow just kept getting better, right? And and the the one thing I always like to point to for people that like to talk about Joe Burrow's one year wonder, and there's probably something to that, is that Joe Burrow finished his college career with more pass attempts than Tua Tagovailoa. Did you know that? Wow, That's a fun I fact. did. Oh, that is a great fact. I did not know that. Amazing. So it, it was a lot of fun, right? But uh, there was no way they were trading that pick to answer your question. And I, you, you said, I'm, I'm sick of talking about Joe Burrow. Can you, can you imagine coming off of Andy Dalton being sick of talking about a guy like Joe Burrow with that, <laughs> with that skill profile? That's never going to happen for me. Talk about him all day, yeah. Yeah, I could do it for, forever. <laughs> I mean, you saw how long I talked about a defensive line. How long am I going to talk about the best quarterback prospect the Bengals <laughs> drafted in 20 years? Good point. So let's talk about the big guys up front on, on offense. I love the skill position players, and we'll probably get to that too if we have time. But when I was in Indy, I talked to a couple Cincy people, and there's obvious Steeler-Bengal connections and beat writers and whatnot. Had a beer with a two Beng- couple Bengals people. Um, and I kept bringing up the offensive line. And collectively, they weren't as concerned about it as I was back then. And Jonah Williams had something to do with it. But I think this draft also reflects that, that this group might be a little bit of a sleeper, a little bit better than people think. Uh, they they certainly think so. I, I don't know if I think so. Yeah. Um, Jonah Williams should be an improvement at left tackle, but they also actually, in the second half of the year, when Cordy Glenn finally decided he wanted to play football, uh, got decent production out of left tackle between him and Fred Johnson for the first part of the year when it was they were running Andre Smith out there. They were running John Jerry out there. John Jerry, a year after not having been in the NFL and being a guard his whole career, was playing left tackle last year. That, that's where we were last year. So that will be better. Uh, Mike Jordan, young guy, fourth-round pick, projected. There's a 10-piece right... documentary on him right now. Yeah, I think that it's about him for sure. <laughs> It's got to be that one. Uh, young guy coming out of Ohio State. Um, he was very up and down. He had a few promising games late in the year. Trey Hopkins, really solid at center. They go sign Xavier Suofilo, who's underachieved since being a 33rd overall pick by the Houston Texans of, what, five, six years ago now. And then Bobby Hart at right tackle, who's going to compete with Fred Johnson. None of those names are really inspiring a ton of confidence, but they did play better in the second half of the year. And this is where the Bengals confidence is coming from that, that I don't necessarily share. This is still a huge question mark for me. And the reason for it is yes. In the second half of the year, they got really good pass protection, even from Bobby Hart, who had the best stretch of pass protection in his career. But the teams they played were like the Browns without miles Garrett, mm-hmm. the dolphins, the, the the Patriots, the Ravens. I mean, these are the, some of those teams are good defenses, but they're not known for their pass rushes, and they weren't last year. The teams they played in the second half last year didn't have elite pass rushes. So what I think my takeaway is is that this group should be good enough to deal with bottom half of the league defensive lines pass rushing units, and and then if it gets better than that, well now you're, now you're you're using hope as a plan, right? You're you're asking Fred Johnson an undrafted free agent who you claim off waivers from Pittsburgh to compete with Bobby Hart who for some reason the Bengals paid. Uh, I didn't get that one. Yeah, that was a weird one. Uh but but uh, Jim Turner is a guy who you know, he he has his favorites and 
Um, He's very confident in himself. I think he's betting his NFL career on this season, but Zach Taylor also seems to be solidly behind him. That's not a hire that was very popular with a lot of Bengals fans because of Jim Turner's history in Miami and to Texas A&M, actually. So this is a big question mark for me. We got to talk about these skill guys a little bit. And there are some rumors out there that the Bengals might be talking with Joe Mixon about potentially a long term deal. Not the case with A.J. Green or John Ross. John Ross's fifth year option was not picked up by the Bengals. So what are we looking at? First of all, in 2020, with the starters there at wide receiver, is Boyd going to stay pretty much a, a slot guy and have Higgins move in there and play on the outside when they go three wide and, and have that rookie second round pick as essentially a starter early on? Or do you think it's going to be a situation where it's Boyd and Green and more John Ross and then they ease Higgins into things? And then long term, what are we looking at with A.J. Green, John Ross and Joe Mixon? Yeah, it sounds like they want to get something done with Joe Mixon. I think they also want to get something done with A.J. Green, and I would call both of those coin flips at this point. It's going to depend on what kind of money Joe Mixon is looking for. If he wants a deal like Christian McCaffrey got, well, I don't think that's going to happen. If he wants to be closer to the guys like Melvin Gordon, you know, 10, 11 million, I could see that getting done. A.J. Green is a guy, again, they want to get a deal done. We have two months almost to the day. July 15th deadline coming up for them to get something done with him on the franchise tag. And I'm feeling a little bit less confident about that one getting done. AJ Green is one of those guys who like Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, one of my favorites, they've been around forever and just guys that I would like to see retire Bengals because I've seen guys like Andrew Whitworth and Justin Smith and you name it, Bengals greats that go on to finish their careers elsewhere. And I would like to see a guy just go wire to wire in Bengal stripes. A.J. Green is one of those guys. But talking about the wide receiver core in general, A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd are going to be on the field as much as possible. But Boyd is strictly a slot guy. If he has to play outside, his efficiency, his effectiveness really drops considerably. But in the slot, he's a great slot receiver. Using that Ram-style offense that Zach Taylor brings with him from the tutelage of... I'm blanking on the name. Sean McVay. Sean McVay. How yeah. could I forget Sean McVay's name? <laughs> it's easy to forget oh. with how far the Rams have fallen since Zach Taylor left, right? Yes, and it's all because <laughs> Zach Taylor is gone, obviously. But the, the, that, that system uses a lot of guys in a slot role. So, so really you have one guy who's going to deal with press man. And, and I feel like that's maybe why they drafted T Higgins. And I think that something that you're going to want to, that the Bengals are going to want to do is get AJ off the line of scrimmage a little more, bit more, get him into the slot. The last time he played a year and a half ago was you, they started moving him into the slot more to get him those two way goes to get him free releases off the line of scrimmage. And he was very effective there, but outside of those guys, you talk about John Ross the, the the third receiver, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, first two, the third guy they bring on the field, and they're going to have three receivers out there frequently. I think they have a really fun rotation between Higgins, Ross, and Auden Tate, and they all do kind of different things, right? Although there's a little bit of redundancy with Auden Tate and T. Higgins. Uh, all three of those guys are capable of highlight real plays in their own different ways, right? You got Auden Tate and T. Higgins, the box out, ball skills, high pointing balls, you know, spectacular catch kind of stuff. And then you got John Ross for that speed. The thing that this team is missing outside of John Ross is speed. So 
assuming that there's no future for John Ross and I don't see in Cincinnati and I don't see that happening if they sign green to a long-term deal and, and how many players come back after their fifth year option isn't picked up, right? That they will have a need for speed at wide receiver. More with Jake Lisko, co-host of Locked On Bengals. Want to talk about it. Some of those roster battles on the team and how the Bengals might be able to work their way up in the AFC North. Jake, I think the Bengals will win more than two games. I yep. have optimism about the coach. I've got extreme optimism about the quarterback. I like how this offseason's gone. Some aggressive moves, unlike the you know the Bengals' years of past. Uh, but they're still number four for me in the division. And I think the NFC West is the only division I would put a, above the North right now in the AFC. Um, do you agree? Or, I mean, could you see them getting the seven, eight wins and being a little bit more of a, more noise than that? I think there is an incredibly wide range of outcomes in this season in particular with the virus shutting down all these off season programs and, and you don't know what you're going to get until later you don't know how these teams are going to be able to prepare without being able to spend time on the field and then the Bengals specifically have an offensive line that if it clicks could surprise a lot of people but that's yeah. asking for a lot right you're asking for a six-round pick or an undrafted guy to play right tackle you're asking for Xavier Suofilo to be better than he's ever been and you're asking a fourth round pick to suddenly be an above average starter at left guard if those things happen, well, suddenly this offense is good. Sure. If AJ Green and John Ross are healthy, well, suddenly this offense is really good, right? You take two of those things happening. You don't need all of them to happen, even. Yeah, it's right. just you know, if if none of those things happen, well, it might look a lot like last year, right? That that's where the range of outcomes is because of guys like AJ Green and John Ross that are injured because of them betting on themselves on the offensive line. The defense should be better. I feel pretty Absolutely. confident yeah. with that, right? Like they've added so much at linebacker. DJ Reader, one of the best nose tackles, if not the best nose tackle in the league, at least last year, should bring a lot of stability to the run game. And then in the secondary, we haven't really talked about it yet. Mackenzie Alexander, uh, essentially a one-to-one -one replacement for Darquez Denard, who's criminally underrated. I don't know how he's still available. And Trey Waynes is a better version of Drake Kirkpatrick because he's faster and he's willing to tackle. Uh, Von Bell should bring something to run defense. And if there are fumbles, Von Bell apparently is a magnet for the ball when it is fumbled. His fumble recovery <laughs> knack is, is pretty uncanny. So that's something that'll be fun to watch. But I expect the defense to be better. Questions about some of the older guys, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins. Questions about whether William Jackson will ever get back to his rookie form when he thrived on shutting down Antonio Brown. And questions on the offensive line. That that affects for me a, a wide range of outcomes that goes from probably fourth in the AFC North to, to second if things go really well. I'm looking at the death chart right now, Jake. And by the way, thank you so much for the time. Mike Thomas, still on the Bengals roster. Do you guys remember the draft takes from, uh, what was that, 2016, when everyone called Mike Thomas, who was drafted by the Rams out of uh, Southern Miss, the good Mike Thomas? Do you that's guys remember a, that? That's a Joe Goodberry special right okay. there. Joe Goodberry <laughs> loved Mike Thomas out of Southern Miss. I Did he go back and time, delete those tweets yet? I don't think. He might have retweeted them. Okay. <laughs> oh, so yeah, he's leaning into it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he loved Mike Thomas coming out. He was he was pretty happy about this one. For me, this is like a whatever. This is a back of the roster signing. They signed him on March twentieth, 
a guy that Zach Taylor obviously knows from Los Angeles. And uh, I, I have no real thoughts on Mike Thomas. I think that he has a hard time making this roster mostly because Alex Erickson is like an incredible sixth receiver and, and has a lot of special teams value. And Morgan Stanley Jr. out of West Virginia last year, who was a surprising college free agent, was like one of the best gunners I've seen in my years of watching football, an incredible special teamer. So beating out those guys, Mike Thomas would have to be pretty special. Uh, talking about a seventh, eighth receiver spot, but maybe the expanded roster sneaks him in there somehow. I'd also forgotten that Demarcus Lodge was in Cincinnati, and yeah. I was looking back during this draft class because Van Jefferson transferred away from Ole Miss because they had Lodge, they had DK Metcalf, they had A.J. Brown, and Van Jefferson at one point on that Ole Miss roster at wide receiver. Pretty amazing. Yeah, and Lodge is another guy similarly with an uphill battle, but I liked him last year in the draft, and I thought that when they signed him, he had a chance to stick, but they've done so much since then drafting T Higgins. They signed Mike Thomas as well. And they liked their college free agent receivers last year quite a bit. Actually, Zach Taylor called his college free agent wide receiver class. When I talked to him, the best group of undrafted receivers he's ever been around. And and I guess that's like, hmm. you know, the, the sharpest crayon in the box or something, <laughs> but right. Uh, it's still high praise. Right. And, and I think they, they had, a guy that didn't make the team and his name is slipping my mind. He caught on elsewhere and actually was playing. So they had three undrafted receivers that stuck on rosters last year. That's a good group. I, I think so. There's some some depth there for sure. All over the roster, I feel pretty good about the depth. Like not great quality depth, but I, I do and Potential. it's probably a probably a function of familiarity, right? Probably everyone that studies one team gets to that point. That tends to happen or you're scraping the bottom of your barrel in the deep, deep fantasy football leagues out there like Matt Williamson. That is Jake Lisko. He is the host of Locked On Bengals, the team that will win the AFC North in 2020, right? Appreciate the time, man. Yeah, no problem. But I, I do want to go on the record in saying that I think the best case scenario is probably second. And, and wow. first would be a big surprise. <laughs> I'd be shocked. Second behind the Steelers, right? <laughs> never who's the Steelers I never heard of that football team before they have a college had, team division two success over the years no I never heard of them <laughs> uh, that's awesome good stuff uh, appreciate the time Jake everybody find Jake on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and uh, let's have you on again and talk more Cincinnati Bengals I think they're a, a suddenly a fun team to discuss around the NFL they don't get much Hub nationally, but I think that might change now that they got that first overall pick in Joe Burrow at quarterback. He's pretty good. I'll come talk about him whenever you want me to. Okay, sounds, sounds good. Like Thanks, Jake. Twitter Thursday tomorrow. Get those questions in to me and Matt at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then right here. Locked on NFL.